you know something, McMahon, last week on Monday Night Raw, I defeated Beverly Gennetti all by myself, right in the ring. Everybody knows I'm a better athlete. I'm a better wrestler than than uh, Beverly Gennetti. I beat him all by myself. Oh, come on, Dirty Polo. You know that's not true. I think it's time for you to put up or shut up. I want a title match next week. The next me, week? Me and the one, two, three wolf. One, two, three wolf? Your team, the Package Handling Express, Sexy Pat. And Flying Brian. Next we week. Want next what, week. What, what, next Come week. Come on. You're right. You two, you cared? You don't Fine. think you put it up next time? Next week, the match. You got the match against the Package Handler Express. Against you guys. That's fine. Good. That's what we want. We'll take our titles. Yeah. Wait, wait. Titles? Yeah, we want the titles on the line. Hold <sighs> I guess I have faith in my team, the Package Handler Express. If I can beat you... Janetti, one, two, three on my own. They can beat you guys too. Hey, dirty dog, I hear you calling. I think it's time for the show. The sleep hold has got me confused, but maybe here we go. Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine, Event Status Radio. They're recording again. Aha. Bagels and biceps all over my screen. What are we supposed to do? Live from Poughkeepsie, New York, and live, recording live from Mid Hudson Civic Center, this is Many Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy, and joining me is the Marty Janetti to the one two three kid. He is in studio. As in, live as it gets, ladies and gentlemen. Inside the Mid Hudson's uh, offices, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Beverly Hills. Like the Mid Mississippi offices. That's where you're at. So it's weird, Mr. Beverly Hills. You're an actual person. I'm seeing you in real life. It's almost too real. We don't. There isn't a Skype delay. There isn't a bad internet connection. So it's fun. What are we doing? What what series are we starting today, Mr. Beverly Well, Hills? you know, it's apropos that we are here together. We're starting off a new series. I got this weird thing on my shirt. It, I'm trying to get off. This isn't a we vodcast or whatever. The road. Another road to WrestleMania. This time, we got our road to... To Madison Square Garden, road to WrestleMania 10, 1994. I am excited. I got awesome artwork from Dean Stahl for yeah. the series. I, I love agree. it. Yes. So we are in Poughkeepsie, New yeah, York. Yeah, two for two, brother. We are in the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, Mr. Yes. Beverly Hills. Do you have any dirty research in the hills on the Mid-Hudson Civic Center? No, and I don't have an internet connection, so I can't <laughs> look it up. <laughs> fair, fair enough. But this is a place, so Poughkeepsie is a place that's... Kind of outside of, of New York City. and Yeah, because we've seen it last year with the Road to WrestleMania 11 series. Right, exactly. And in the early years of um, Raw, and certainly the kind of low years of the WWF in the mid-90s, they visited there a lot. 
um, especially to tape rods because it is a smaller venue. It's a venue that they could seem pretty hot for this edition. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. It's a venue that they could fill pretty easily, and a venue that got in in being filled uh, became a, a very hot venue for them too. So, kind of a, a go to in their kind of lean years. So this is the forty sixth episode. There's a Skype, Skype connection. <laughs> This is the 46th edition of Monday Night Raw from January 3rd, 1994. Yes. Do you what? Do you have any memories of 1994, Mr. Beverly 1994, Hills? 1994, I was gonna. I was in. Oh uh, uh, well, in in this time, I, I would have been in first grade. Because I would have been in kindergarten during this time. <laughs> yeah, in because I I would have started when I was six, so I would have been in first grade in January of 1994. Uh, this would have been a time, actually, I'm pretty certain that, yeah, I wasn't watching or doing anything with wrestling, because it was the time where they had taken wrestling off of, or WWF, off of Channel 4, the CBS station here in Minnesota, and that was kind of right after WrestleMania 9, and so we didn't have that, was watching worldwide, but then... Also, in, in like, 93 or 1994, we ended my WWF magazine subscription. <laughs> and I recall the first one, and now, unbeknownst to me, like, a year later, my mom renewed it. That's cool. And the first one I got was this one of, oh, no. The first one was later than 94, whenever, uh, what's the big... Undertaker yeah. won his championship. Ninety four, or is that a ninety five? When did he win his, win the title again? I want to say WrestleMania thirteen. So that oh, would have been ninety seven. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe that was a second. Now I'll go back to my earlier start. <laughs> Which, this so it must have been that must have been the second time. The first time was the time when. Bart Simpson and Bret Hart. Yo, I, I remember. Okay. I don't remember nothing from the magazine, okay. but I remember that cover. That was that would have been after this one okay. in '95. I went through another only a couple month <laughs> lag, and then it came back with Undertaker, like you know, in his famous pose with, a, with the, title. the title. In it. Yeah. yeah, I guess this time period, I. I remember renting WrestleMania 10 on VHS a couple of times. Yeah. And we'll cover, I know I mentioned it before in the podcast, we'll mention that again when we review WrestleMania 10 in like 10 weeks yeah. or so. But <laughs> I guess I don't remember watching Raw much during this time. I definitely did not watch Raw. But just watching, going back and watching this episode, episode 46, was a fun, was a fun episode. It made me feel like a lot like the 93 Raws that we reviewed and why I watch on my own. And, and, it's, I don't know, this is a good series and it's a different series than last year because in 95 we knew that we were going toward a crappy WrestleMania. Yeah. Right? And at least even in like the potholes along the way, we know that we're getting to one of the best WrestleManias of all time. So that I think will make the lesser moments of these next Same. eight or nine Raws better. Well, cause just comparing this Raw... The 46th episode of Monday Night Raw from January 3rd compared to, let's say, even the first Raw in 95. I feel like somewhere in late 94, early 95 is when Raw felt different from its original run from, like, 93 to early 94. I w- yeah, I would say something something has happened, and it's interesting, like, you you already used the word is, is that there was still an element of fun. Yeah. And I think in that first year of Raw, there really was that. And by... 
early 95 that had kind of gone away and it seemed like more of a just kind of like a rote kind of just by the book more boring kind of same guys kind well, of thing yeah because so. this episode of raw that, that we'll be reviewing here in a few minutes yep. it, it felt fun i yeah i enjoyed you know this mcmahon as a color commentator and that was a play-by-play man and having johnny polo as the color guy for just this night yeah it, it was fun i i really liked it yes well, let's jump in. So, there. according to my Ruku, this ed- edition of Raw says, "Well, Lex Luger and Pete in the Royal Rumble, yeah. the Smoking Guns square off against Bam Bam Bigelow and Bastard Booger in tag team action." <laughs> and indeed, that's what happens. So the show opens up, and I appreciate this show opening because it kind of helps us lead into the WWF title picture at the Royal Rumble. And they don't use they don't use cold opens very often. You generally it's just what you hit the the opening. So this is kind of a cool cool thing. Yeah, Paul Bear it opens up with Paul Bear in the funeral parlor. Yeah, like pa- a workshop area. Yeah, Paul. I assume it's a funeral parlor, parlor or whatever. Paul Bear tells Yokozuna to look into the future, and <laughs> this will be the year of nineteen ninety four, the year of the casket. And, oh. Yes, it, I've made one New Year's resolution. May you rest in peace. So this was come. I wish I would have done research, but what I can recall, this was coming off of I'll say '93, where it was the summer of Lex Luger, and that wasn't really going too well. So they brought Undertaker back, and it was I think the All Americans against the Foreign Fanatics at their Survivor Series. Like in, you see what I was doing? You know what I was doing? No, 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 no. All right, so Undertaker comes back and they don't. They're oh. looking for their fourth partner. They don't know if they can trust him. And then he silently opens his coat, and inside of his coat is an American flag. So <laughs> that's, that's funny. So that's how he joins the that, Ford fanatic. I was just, I, or the all American team. Or oh whatever. yeah, my bad. Yes, I was just saying I. It's been forever since I watched that Survivor <laughs> Series, so that's why I didn't know what you're talking about. So, because they had Undertaker and Yokozuna had a feud before that, right? That you can you can recall? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so I don't think so. So anyway, uh, that's pretty much, uh, I guess the start of this run, of, this run, run, run of their feud that yeah, Undertaker and Yokozuna wrestle at, at the Royal Rumble for the WWF title. Yep. Double we, wide, double deep. Yeah, so we see a clip from WWF Wrestling Challenge from this past weekend where Jim Cornette talks about Yokozuna and Undertaker being a casket match and how in the original contract that that, there was nothing about that. Then when they got the contract back, it was in fine print. (laughs) And and, and so Stan Lane is the commentator here, uh, Midnight Express legend Stan Lane, and he... He says casket. He's like, it's a casket match. And Yoko, I thought this whole thing really shows just like how awesome Yoko was. Yo, his selling was great. In no words, he was able to tell you the entire story. You know, that he was a tough guy, strong guy, but just his eyes freaking out. I don't think he was too much. Like, too over the top. No. But just to the right level of camp, I think. That's needed when you're facing The Undertaker. I mean, yeah. you can't play a match with The Undertaker completely straight because you'll look like an idiot. Yeah. you got to get into his level of camp a little bit. 
And I thought he played it really perfectly. Yeah, then yeah, Cornette said that Paul Bearer's causing trouble because yeah. he added the, added the fine print of it being a casket match. Then, then yeah, Yo- and Courtney was saying that Yoko isn't afraid of, of a casket. And whenever the Yoko, yeah, like you said, whenever the word is spoken, Yoko freaks out. And like you said, it said Yoko sold the storyline greatly. And just this, what, two, three-minute yeah. clip that we saw, yeah. I'll, I'm, excited, I'm excited for the Royal Rumble already, yeah. and we're not going to see it for another few weeks. Yeah, they're, they're really selling this match hard, and um, it's working. So Then we hear the classic route open mixed with... <laughs> That siren. It's like exactly what it is. I feel like, uh, God, what's that guy who's always making the music? Jim Johnson. Yeah, Jim Johnson. I feel like yeah. he has that exact <laughs> like, megaphone. megaphone and he's doing that. <laughs> then Vince McMahon welcomes us to Monday Night Raw. Yokozuna is shaken to his core. Then we get the color commentator, Mr. Beverly Hills, yeah, which, which I'm excited for, for tonight's Raw. Johnny Polo. Yeah. Hey, what's your... Th- What's your opinions on rotating through color color commentators? To be on, uh, to be honest, you know, with Road to WrestleMania Eleven series, Shawn Michaels got old after a while, so it was nice to see him gone. When we got Johnny Polo opening seconds of Raw, I was excited to see what he what he's going to bring. Especially, I'll talk more about it later on in the show. But you know, ro- rotating cast. You know, this week we get Johnny Polo. You know, we talked about this when we were at the House of Pizza like a half hour ago. <laughs> I felt like if That's we got... That's a cheap plug. We better get a free pizza strip next time we come. I feel like if we got more than an hour of Johnny Polo, he could have been too much. Yeah. But I feel like an hour, he advanced the storylines great. I know during this time, he was on the creative team. I oh, heard, right. I heard a podcast with when Raven was on Stone Cold's podcast in the last few months. Raven was... On the yeah, creative for those team. Who don't know Johnny Polo's Raven. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, Raven, yeah, Raven was on the creative team. He was helping, you know, he's actual WWE employee, not uh contracted, not contracted or what what not the what the wrestlers are. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to have him on the on the Nouns team to help advance the storylines with McMahon says McMahon is good on painting the the big pictures. It's nice to have Johnny there to help paint fill it in with yeah, a fine color, print. Yeah. So this week I enjoyed Johnny Polo. Like I said, if we would hear more than an hour of him, it would get a little underneath my skin. And and knowing you, I can see that your opinion of him is completely different from mine. Sure, and I and I I think with there's I mean there's obviously goods and bads. There's there's goods to having a consistent, you know, an announced team to play off each other. You know, like. Uh, JR and the King were able to build a rapport over 15 plus years. They were able to do that, but also, you know, you have the, the, the novelty, the variety of having someone new in too. And I think that's kind of cool. It's the, the only thing is I don't know if Vince is your good Rock, yeah, because he's not that good. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> with, with depending with the person, like yeah, with Ventura, I feel you know with Lawler on pay per views. I feel like with Johnny Polo, Vince, I feel like those two are, are a good team. Like yeah. I said, with Johnny Polo, you know, being the creative team, knowing that no, we're helping with the storylines. He helps paint the help paint the pictures where where Vince's broad brush well, I was, went, went across. Well, I was like thinking about 
Remember when we watched the one with ba- with Bastion Booker? Yeah, oh, that like, was that horrible. That sucked, right? Yeah. Because Vince isn't a strong enough center. Yeah. Like, if you have a really good Like I said, like base, a Jim, Jim Ross. Yeah, if you have a really good base, you can have anybody around him, and yeah. they should, they'll, they'd be able to play off anybody. But, so, Vince, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like I said, you know, with this team that we get tonight, I really enjoyed Johnny Polo. Yes. So, as you, yeah... That uh, we'll see the Smokey Guns take on Bam Bam Bigelow and Bastion Burger in the main event. Mm-hmm. Then we'll oh oh yeah John, yeah see then Shawn Michaels is in action. Johnny Polo put over over that he is the greatest Intercontinental Champion and is still the Intercontinental Champion. <laughs> yeah. And I want to talk about that storyline. Sure. That uh, I can't remember when, but like I think September of '93 ish, that Shawn Michaels got suspended in real life for failing a drug test. Supposedly they found like steroids or whatever in his system, and yeah. Michaels always claims, even now to this day, that he was on steroids. It was somehow fake test or whatnot. He was an intercontinental champion. They suspended him, so they did like a battle royal on Raw, and the last two guys were Razor Ramon and Rick Martel. And when when it was just the last two guys, he ended the battle royal, said, okay, next week on Raw, you two guys will fight in a one-on-one match for the Intercontinental title. So Razor won the title okay. and all that and was still the champion up to tonight's ROM. And Michaels came back, I think, at Survivor Series because... Yeah, Jerry, I was going to say, that must end up in a long yeah. suspension. Jerry Lawler... Because he wrestled at the Survivor Series. Page. Jerry Lawler got suspended for, I think, if I remember correctly, they were, he was in a lawsuit in Memphis for <laughs> an underage gal making accusations or whatever. <laughs> so I'm not going to get... Much more into it because if you guys want to know what it is, you guys oh God, can. You know what it is. Don't don't even like if you're a person who's like, oh, wonder what they're talking about. I it, don't know if I can help. It should should be obvious, but I don't want to bring this podcast down. So, so they brought Michaels back. He was on the Survivor, Survivor Series team. He still had his Intercontinental Title strap because he never handed that over when he got yeah. suspended. So they brought him back and you know, started a storyline with. Shawn Michaels is still, in his eyes, an intercontinental champion, never lost a title, and even though Razor is the recognized, recognized intercontinental champion. So it was cool to see Johnny Polo back in Shawn Michaels, even though he, Shawn Michaels was actually the champ. Right. Then Jeff Jarrett's also in action tonight. Okay. whoop de doo So the main, uh, opening match is, I guess, the way is the main event of the match. Oh, you think so? All right. We get WWF World Heavyweight Champion Yokozuna coming out first. And the guy he's facing is... Dan Dubiel. Dubiel. Okay, I'm happy you cut me off. Yeah. And Do you know who this Dan Dubiel guy Not a is? Clue. Sorry, okay. and again, no, no connection. <laughs> then we also are told that the Royal Rumble's on a Saturday night. Yeah. What is your thoughts on pay-per-views being on different yeah, nights? Yeah, I was going to ask you that, too, because I think it's a really interesting topic. Yeah, uh, I think it was... Obviously, you know, I listen to podcasts at work. Kevin Sullivan mentioned this on his podcast recently, saying that during this time, you know, early 90s to mid-90s, even, you know, like 96, because they're covering 96 yeah. uh, Nitros on his podcast, that during this time they didn't have the Pacific Sunday nights uh-huh. set in stone. Yep. Yep. That whatever, you know, WCW, ECW, WWF, whatever night of the week they can get each month, that's what they got. Yeah. And it... He enjoyed it, and I guess you'll know, kind of hear him talk about it. I guess I kind of enjoyed you know having them trying out different nights for pay per views because I, I feel like at least for me, I'd rather watch a pay per view on a Saturday night because most people be willing to stay up later on a Saturday night. 
Yeah. You know, most people are willing to get together and hang out, then let's order the WWF Royal Rumble and see what happens. Well, that, well that's the idea that UFC plays yeah. on. Yeah, they, they've always ran Saturday nights and they continue to. They've always, and they play on that opinion that you were that it's a party atmosphere that yeah. uh, starts at, you know, 9 o'clock Central and it goes until midnight. So that's that's the idea there. I don't, it's just one of those things where like, because that's more of it was on this day. Yeah. Now it's like, well, that's how it is. It's on Sundays. Yeah. It could have been any night, you know, yeah. if, uh, well, that's what he was, Kevin was yeah. getting to the point that, you know, back then, you know, they didn't, you know, if they wanted to run a pay-per-view in January against WWF, you know, for WCW, right. If they were offered Saturday, this Saturday night on a, on a weekend, yeah. it's either take it or, or you don't get one that month. And possibly fans take more willing to go toward WWF because yep. they got a pay per view from yep, WWF. Exactly, so you got to get in where you fit in. Yeah, that's what he was saying, which right. I totally agree with. And I kind of miss those. Ways now looking back, I miss those days. Kind you of. You weren't even doing. You weren't watching them in those days. <laughs> I don't you care. Can't miss it because you weren't there. That's that's you looking. I, Gosh, you might as well switch out those glasses for some rose colored glasses because so, you weren't even there, and you're like. Oh, oh Sonny, I missed those games. What you were sh- there. I was there. I was what just supposed to watch the pay per views. pay per views you ordered? Uh, zero. Whatever. Okay, thank you. But I guess you I... You can say you like the idea. I, but fine. I, li- I like <laughs> yeah. the idea. So yeah, I missed those days. So, what the hell? Then uh, what's your thoughts on the WWE champion competing in the first match on a one-hour broadcast? Uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like if... Uh, if it's against Dan Dubiel, it doesn't really matter where on the card it is. Fair enough. I guess I, I always I liked it with the show being an hour long. You know, bringing your main event guy once every so often. Dan Dubiel's not going to take him an hour. This is. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just wishful thinking, Mister yeah, Beverly so you're, Hills. You're putting if Yokozuna came out and faced the Undertaker, the Undertaker, whatever you'd want at the beginning. Yeah, this is different. Don't, don't like make this more than it is, my man. Talk about things that are more than what it is. Johnny Polo tells us that Yokozuna is 600 pounds. Okay. Do you actually feel like Yoko was around 600 pounds for this match? I think there's a good chance. Okay. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I think there's a really good chance. He was pretty damn big. So I'll kick it to you for the match. All right. So um, the first thing I, I noticed was that it, they have these like really cool-looking foam urns. They look the awesome, yeah. And I want one really bad. I, I do too. I think they're like pretty awesome. They're like goldish yeah, kind of? Yeah, they're and they're full yeah, they're big these foam urns and I thought they were awesome. Um Polo started out with a really random reference. He references that Somebody has a mustache like Caesar Romero, who played the Joker on the old old Batman. Wasn't wasn't that Dan Dubiel guy that had oh, it? Oh, okay, okay. I guess that's who I assumed he was that talking was a about. Ridiculous reference, <laughs> God, uh, so weird. So I see this match is really nothing. So I took a lot of notes on like other stuff. But yeah, I, I was to say one thing I noticed or took a note on was the crowd was chanting USA USA a lot and. It's like Yoko was kind of playing around with them, kind of staring at them yeah. once in a while, kind of moving really slow like he w- does. And I feel like that played in well with his character. Sure, sure. I enjoyed it. I did notice, like, so, 
Mr. Fuji is, he's both my favorite and least favorite manager, because all he does is literally just stand there and wave the flag the entire match. And that's why I'm like, you know, normally I would say least favorite, because he doesn't do a freaking thing, he just stands there, but me as someone who loves irony, I'm like, this is awesome. This guy's getting paid to walk out. Hold this flag and just, wave it, just and just go back and forth, and then leave. not not do anything. Yeah, <laughs> not do a single now, thing. If you and I would ever get in the professional wrestling business, I wish you would get paid to do something like that. Just stand there and wave wave a flag. Yep, that's what I want to do. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is where I know that it's not really not a lot. Uh, just Yoko's kind of hammering on uh, one thing. Dan one here. thing I appreciate about Yokozuna in this match was how devastating. A leg drop from Yokozuna looks. Oh sure, yeah. It seemed like uh, the leg drop that Yoko did it hurt Dan Dubiel, Dubai, whatever his name is, Double D. So like, it hurt him a lot. And with the cushion of Yoko, I'm sure he didn't he get, get <laughs> he didn't sure land the full impact, but I'm sure it still hurt and when, just ouch. When he threw this belly to belly, oh, oh my gosh, that was freaking crazy. I. I, he caught him and spun him around and hit that belly to belly. That belly to belly wow. looked awesome, beautiful. Yeah, but I wonder that too. Yoko's landed his weight on him and squashed him. Like, how isn't that the finish? Well, but getting to the finish here because that's I, I would play off that. So he hit the. So obviously the finish is uh, Yoko uh, hitting the bonsai drop, and in what? this one when he came was off was this the botch bonsai? I, I would say so. When he came off, his feet slipped, <laughs> so his ass landed right on Dan Dubiel's upper chest, and I was like, "Holy!" Yeah, I I asked if this was the botch bonsai because I remember I don't think I don't know if it was you that showed me this or or what, but I remember years ago this probably when we were both in college. So this would be six years ago at least. I remember seeing on YouTube a botch. Bonsai dropped from Yokozuna. It looked like his, le- his legs just flipped out like yeah. it did here. I'm like, yeah, that's I the first thing I thought. One. I guess I could have looked on YouTube, but yeah. I just didn't. I want to keep plugging through this episode, but yeah. I think this was probably the one of few botched Bonsai's Yoko did. Uh, yeah, Yoko's the winner. I rated this match two stars. I need two. I thought it was a, a good squash match, and Dan sold Yoko's moves pretty good, which wasn't really that hard to do. But I feel like this showed off Yoko. Greatly, and I felt like both Johnny Polo and Vince helped build up Yoko to kind of advance the storyline to what we will see at the Royal Rumble. Right. I mean, I you know I thought it was a nothing match, but you know Yoko looked really solid, really good in all his moves. So. I was happy to see the fans boo Yokozuna sure. when he was was given the belt and Yoko was taunting, <laughs> and I guess trying to catch his breath because he was at half breath and all that. It was nice to see the fans boo. Breath. I I was. I like to see the fans into booing Yokozuna. Okay. I feel like Yoko was a great heel in 93-94. Then we get a commercial break on Monday Night Raw. We came back. Vince and Johnny were inside talking about Lex Luger. That uh, I believe you're, you're mistaking his name, the, the American original. Yes. Lex Luger. Okay, thank you. But they were talking about uh, what happened at WWF Superstars that week and before when Luger was taken on Jock from the Quebecers. Yep. And they did a switcheroo, and Luger got the pinfall on Pierre, and then Jock came in, and 
whatever else. Luger actually did pin Jock at the he end. Pinned both of them. Both of them. Laid both of them out with a running forearm. Johnny Polo came in, <laughs> got laid out, sold greatly to the running forearm, which uh, he literally like, got, jumped in the air and took. I thought like, took an awesome bump. Um, God, how does Johnny Polo's butt smell? Jeez, what, you are up him so far, what, God. What is your thoughts on this pre-taped of building up Lux Luger to what we'll see after this. Just the... Are you talking about the interview, too, or just... Well, the, it's just this pre-tape of, oh, from that Superstars. Oh, good. Obviously, they're putting him over... They put him over both both tag champs and their manager, so... Then we get the, there's something behind him there. Then we get the pre-tape, which you talked about, with Lux Luger, and they zoomed in on the American flag print on his shirt, and he was doing the yes, boom, the boom dance, and... Yep, that's what he started with, was the peck thing. Then yep. they make mad. Oh, he's... The American original Lux Luger. I'm like, Vince, you don't you need to... Vince of this era, I just feel like, always had a boner over these guys. And it's a little scary. And you me. can tell, you yeah, know, with the zoom in weird. on Lux Flex's boobs. And, and he's like, oh, yeah. Like, while it's <laughs> happening, it's so weird. It it's made... very weird. It's uncomfortable. So they were just talking about that. Oh, yeah. At, <laughs> at this time, Lux Luger wasn't in the... 94 Royal Rumble, the WWF president, Jack Tunney, was going to make an announcement on one of the shows this coming up weekend. No, not offhand. Um, Luger Perch says that he wants a chance to prove prove what he can do in the Royal Rumble. McMahon said that he's sure he can talk for the WWF audience and America wants Luger in the match. Well, if I'm allowed in, we're going to see one fired up Lex Luger. Then uh, <laughs> both of them question uh, Yoko's camp's. They question uh, Yoko's uh, Yoko's camp's logic. Then McMahon said, "What if you're not in the Royal Rumble?" Then Luger's like, "Well, he'll just figure out if that yeah, happens." He's, he's just like, "I'm not thinking about that. I'm just focusing on if I am." Then Luger said, "If he's in, he'll do his best." Yeah, and I like Luger's that line. Down. I like I like that. That's all I ask is. Each guy does his best. Yeah, but he also says he won't let us down. Whatever. He, Luger always lets me down. <laughs> then we get another commercial break. We come back and we see a uh, <laughs> a commercial put it over Sparky Plug on a racetrack. Thurman Sparky Plug. And he said he's he's on his way to the WWF. Yep, he's on his way. <laughs> then we get the next match of the night. Now let it breathe, man. Let it breathe. Jeez. You I don't get, have to say every no. God. I guess I'll let the, one of the guys eat too while we're at it. Gosh, you don't got to read through your notes like it, your life depends on it. Slow down, man. We, we get Slow ba- down. We get Bam Bam Bigelow. No, any thoughts on the Thurman Sparky plug thing? I, I, could, care, I could care less. I'm not excited. Slow down. Sparky plug can put a spark plug up his rear end. And that's all I care about <laughs> yeah. that. It was very like, I don't know, it was we- it's always weird seeing these vignettes where they're not doing any type of athletic yeah. or wrestling thing. Yes, he is He is literally racing a car. He should put it over his gimmick. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but it's very strange. So we're ready to move on to this next yes, match. Yes, I am. Bam Bam Bigelow with Luna Fashan t- team up with Bastion Booger take on the Smoking Guns. Yes. And uh, I felt like what a unique take team Bam Bam Bigelow and Bastion Booger are. I put down B to the fourth power, but it should <laughs> be... F- B to the fifth power. Mm-hmm. Bam, bam, Vince tells us this is the first time those two ever tagged up. Sure. Then we get a Tantanka Icro Pro commercial. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, that is also true. And then we get Bam Bam and Bart to start out the match. I'll kick it to you for this match. All right, well, I first noticed this really nice drop kick that Billy uh, hits on Bam Bam that's sending him outside. Um, the next kind of kind of big note was Bam Bam kind of taking over. He had a really nice-looking slam, but then he missed a headbutt. Um, he did, though, kind of a running back elbow to Bart that Bart sold while kind of did a flip bump off of. Um, and this through this whole match, like the, the, the thrust of this commentary is on freaking Bastion Booger's hump on his back. And I thought this was the dumbest shit. To, to, me, so to me, it looked like it was just fat. Well, it, it's because he's got this, like, Ninja Turtle thing, yeah. and it's tightened to make his, it, like, upper back, like, kind of, stick it, it gets scrunched up, yeah. So it's so stupid, and this was something that, like, allegedly Vince was super into, was this, like, hump thing, and it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And, like, Bastion Booger, I don't know, at this point I think maybe he's kind of, like, in the later days of his career because you see how he kind of like runs around the room yeah. and takes this like little pitter-patter stuff. He seems like more of a cartoon character yeah. in this stage of his career. So, man. Which fits in well with 94, early 94 yeah. WWF. Right. Um, let's see. So Booger got in and he was going to sit on Bart, but Billy came behind him, had a really good looking bulldog. <laughs> um, and then they... That didn't knock him down though. It kind of just like bounced him. And then the guns teamed up to... To knock him down. Yeah, I want to jump in and say that yeah. I enjoyed seeing the the double teamwork by the guns on both Bam Bam and on on, on the on the booger. And I would say in general the the Smoky Guns had great double team moves. I'm working through '96 now. Yeah, and uh, they're always their double team moves looked great. And I know even the announcers put over the double teamwork of the Smoking Guns, and I've said it before. That's one thing I really appreciate is hearing the announcers put over st- stuff like that mm-hmm. that make you know, people should p- notice that anyway but to kind of point that out even more sure did, but did you notice it anyway i, I feel like you did because you're all about the yeah military. i i noticed <laughs> it that also you know vince said it beginning of the match he's first time the beat of the fifth power teamed up so i noticed you know noticed it before when they had bam bam in for a while double team moves to him yep. and like you said when booger got in double team moves to him I enjoy, I enjoyed it seeing those two trying to outsmart this first time tag team be to the fifth power. <laughs> while Bo- while Booger was in control, uh, Johnny Polo was going over um, his reasonings for not working out, and I thought they were <laughs> tremendous. He, you know, he's like, well, you know, he's got to buy a gym membership. You know, he's been really busy. He's got the holidays, <laughs> and I'm like. These are solid, solid excuses, man. Well, talking about the commentary team, one thing I didn't laugh at was McMahon was complimentary of the guns as double teams, taking skills and all that, keeping Bammer in at that time, and Vince was giving Polo crap about that. Okay. And saying oh, that yeah. Polo knows nothing about tag team you know, strategy and all that, and Polo said that, I'm like a computer genius when it comes to wrestling strategy. And it, it just made me laugh. Like, I had to pause it. I had to write down Polo's response. Like, that is something Vince would totally do and give his managers crap about stuff. Like, his heel managers crap about that. And I like, you know, Johnny Polo's quick response. You know, I'm on, like, computer shit, computer dude, computer genius when it comes to wrestling strategy. See, I think that makes no sense. 
I, re- I literally think that makes no sense. It, what does it mean to be a computer genius when it comes to wrestling strategy? What, think, is, what does that mean? I think Johnny Polo was trying, just trying to say that no matter what his his guys, his opponents tries to do, he like played all through all the results in his mind. No, I, I, I think he was probably on cocaine. Well, we could be on cocaine through this podcast. I'm not, though. Oh, fine. You be, well, you, you, saw, you saw what... I've been on so since you've been up here, so whatever. Oh let's get back Talk to the match. <laughs> yes, let's get back to the match. Okay, um, so <laughs> in Booger's little control segment, he chokes Barton the ropes, uh, like straight up with his crotch. It's a little unsettling <laughs> uh, to me, and then he does hit a nice looking big leg drop on him. Um, eventually, though, Billy does get the hot tag. He takes over. He hits a good-looking knee lift, a nice-looking drop kick as well. Billy's always, you know, through his career, Billy Gunn always hit a really good-looking drop kick. It was definitely one of his kind of go-to moves. Probably one of the few things he can actually do good. Just like, well, like the aforementioned Bob Holly. Yes. That's always one of his good things, too. Um... So so after after that hot tag, Bam Bam rolls to or not sorry, Booger rolls to the outside. We get basically the the whole point of this match. Would you like to take over with what's yeah. going on out there? That Luna went over to a check on Booger and was already rubbed that the, the, hump. the, the hump the hump, the yeah. hump and. Booger felt like he was that she was coming on to him. Yes. And he, he seemed like he started to have feelings, emotions for her, and was starting to stalk her and <laughs> and he kissed her. and kissed her and. And Booger seemed like he wanted to take it further with Luna yeah, after the show. What happened? Bam Bam kicked. Oh, she slapped him. Yeah, she slapped him. Well, I'm not. I'm looking at you, not my notes. So I'm <laughs> sorry. That yeah, she slapped him. And that's when Bam Bam finally noticed what was going on. So Bam Bam came out, attacked him, and yes. got, got himself counted out. Yep, yep, yep. So the winner. Well, he he did start making it a little uncomfortable after the slap. He started like. Walking after her and like trying to grab her and stuff. So. Yeah, so I did. I felt like Luna was totally justified with that. Story. Oh, hundred percent. She, she was being a manager. She wasn't. All she was doing was rubbing his back. She wasn't doing anything like sexy in it. She was just rubbing his it, back. It'd be like if Mrs. Hills is our manager in a tag match and she came over to consolidate me for being beat up. Well, I probably tell her not to, but I. I <laughs> But I would also hope that you wouldn't be like, oh, God, she's in love with me. You know, like, is is Bastion Booger like a seven-year-old boy? Like, oh, my, oh, my, you're my girlfriend. It kind of seemed like, like, you know? oh, a girl's giving me attention. I had well, the hot for her. That's the other thing with, like, this Bastion Booger character, which I don't even get, is, like, is he a nine-year-old boy? Like, yeah. <laughs> It, I don't know. I never get these like kind of like simpleton he, gimmicks. They're he, always so dumb. He did seem like, like you said, he seemed like uh, he, a man child. Yeah, like a man child, like a teenage, young teenage boy, like what you said, between eight and twelve, <laughs> Trump trapped in a overweight man's body. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the smoking guns are the winner of the countout. Mm-hmm. I rated this match twenty one half star, not as good as the Yoko match. Yeah, I won in three quarters. So I, f- about the same I felt like this. I felt like this the finish was kind of unique in sure. ways, and I, you know, I will see you set up a match between you know, B to the fifth power next week on Monday Night Raw. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why we had this match other than to, I guess, get a match between Booger and Bigelow next week on Raw. I guess, but it's really strange because you know, as we see from what happens at 
WrestleMania, they're not turning Bigelow face. Yeah. Or, sorry, not WrestleMania. Uh, well, WrestleMania, yes, but also the Rumble. They're not turning him face at this time. So it's a very odd thing. It's like almost like they just wanted something to set up this next week Raw, like just a couple week uh, storyline. Storyline, yeah. yeah. It's very, very odd, I think so. But anyway, we get a weird kind of commercial thing for the Royal Rumble Report. Yes, the Royal Rumble Report. With Todd Pentangale. And <laughs> I love his opening line, Mr. Oh, Beverly Hills. Todd Pentangale's New Year's resolution is he wants to hump. Oh, God. See, I, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. When I, read it, I was like, I'm not even going to write this stupid thing down because I know you're going to think it's funny. And like, this is so dumb. Then Todd said, as we just seen and as we just reviewed, humping could get him into trouble. God, Vince McMahon writes for <laughs> nine-year-old boys and dirty dog dogs. I did write, both love it. I did write down my notes. Definitely McMahon humor, and I chuckled. God, so, so stupid. I felt like it was a cheesy line. Also, I laughed. Mr. Beverly Hills is disgusted. It's you just see, so stupid. Well, I'm starting to see this money through Freddy week in and week out. I don't. <laughs> yeah. So. You're right. You, you know what? My 12-year-old boys would have loved that line. <laughs> they, they'd be like. <laughs> so this is, I feel like, like any other Royal Rumble report. Todd tells us to order the Rumble. You want to hear the 27 that have been announced? I'm happy you. I t- took notes, man. I'm happy you did because I didn't. Here we go. Here we go. Bret Hart. Crush, Kamala, Owen Hart, Doink, Mabel, Scott Steiner, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Adam Bob, Bam Bam Bigelow, Macho Man, One Two Three Kid, Fatu, Samu, Rick Steiner, Bob Backlund, Greg Valentine, Billy Gunn, Bart Gunn, Rick Martell, Bastion Booger, Marty Jannetty, Moe, Jeff Jarrett, Ludwig Borga, Tatanka. Because wasn't it shortly after this, Ludwig Vorga was gone? He got hurt and he, he okay. left, yes. Which, you know, during this Rumble report, I was wondering what was Diesel up to when Michaels was suspended for the month or two, but... You, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Listeners, if you guys know, please hit us up. On Twitter, Facebook, wherever, let us know. Uh, I guess, yeah, there's only like three weeks. Oh, yeah, there's... We'll find out this coming weekend that who the last three entries are and all yeah. that, and the winner of the Rumble match will face the WWF champion at WrestleMania 10. Sure. Then, then Todd goes over the other matches of the card. Casket match for the WWF title, which we mentioned, Taker and Yoko. Then the Hearts will be challenging the Quebecers for the tag team titles. Razor Ramon will be defending the Intercontinental title against IRS. Then we get a non-title match, Tatanka against Ludwig Borga. Yeah. And which didn't happen. Yeah, I was. I was just gonna ask: Was this coming to the end of Ludwig Borga's push? He hurt his ankle yeah. in January '94, yeah. and he did not recover from. Well, he recovered from it. He didn't have a broken ankle for the rest of his life, but he he uh, did not come back to WWF after he recovered. What so I guess. What do you know? What McMahon saw in. Let's Borga. talk about Ludwig Borga next week when he's okay. when he wrestles. I lost that that again. So something that I, another thing I laughed about Todd Pentagon in this Royal Royal Rumble report was when he was wrapping up. He tells us that Jeff Jarrett's coming up next after the commercial, spelling out his name and all J E ha ha double F J A all that stuff. Then at the end of the 
end of the Royal Rumble part, Todd spelled his name just like Jeff Jarrett. T-O-E-E, all that. And at the end, he smiled like Jeff Jarrett, and there was a little sound effect spark on one of his teeth. And I'm pretty sure this is the point where I wrote Todd Pentagon freaks, freaks me out. Because <laughs> he did. He really was creeping me out during this thing. How, why, how, how was he creepy? He's just... He's, he gives me a vibe. I'm sure lots of listeners know this. So just, like, watch, listen to me paint this picture. Yeah. You've all been to those high school parties where you're in high school, right? Or maybe you haven't, but you can picture it. Now picture the weird 20-year-old guy who still lives in town. No, oh. let's, call, let's call him a 22-year-old guy. Yeah. He still lives in town. He works at the gas station. He comes and he shows up with the beer, and he wants all the girls to gather around and think he's the cool guy. Yeah. And you know that he's the creepy one. That's Todd Pettin. So are you saying that I'll be a friend to that 22-year-old creeper? I, I hope not. I hope not. I but get, that is Todd Pettengill in my opinion. <laughs> I can, I, I can see that. See it? I can see that. Like he's trying to act cool. He's trying to like be a teenager. <laughs> you know he's the guy that's like, hey, guys. And you're like, didn't you graduate like four years ago and you never moved out of town? Yeah, that's him. That's Todd Pettengill. I... Like I said, with the beginning of the Royal Rumble report and at the end, I can see him doing like the jokes that well, one will make McMahon laugh because he probably wrote out <laughs> Todd's lines and try to make, the, like you said, the teenage boys laugh. He's creepy. Then we get a video package about how 1993 Raw revolutionized the industry. Yeah, it was super cool. It was Lord Al. Yeah, Lord Al, Lord Al Hayes wants us to join him in one in the next week for the one year Raw anniversary. Yeah, it was very cool. I'm excited. Then we get J A haha double F J A double R ha whatever against John Crystal and as usual Mr. Beverly Hills do you know anything about John Crystal? Here's the peek behind the curtain. When you ask me, that's when I Wikipedia. So because I don't have internet access right now, I can't do it. So I I don't know anything about these. I guess I should have given you the internet password before we (laughs) recorded. Whatever, maybe maybe next week. So I noted as as usual, Jeff Jarrett is wearing like a purple robish thing. Like this looked ugly. And a purple headband. Yeah. Which it's oh, very ninety four ish. I, I got black ones nice. as you can see. I'm happy they're not like Jeff Jarrett kind. I wish they were. Um he's also wearing like a dark purple on light purple nipple cage tights. Yes, yes he was. Something I really didn't like it. I'm happy when we you know, I like the stuff that he was wearing for the Road to Wrestling Eleven series. What was he wearing then? More like black and white, white on black oh, kind of but stuff. But they still the nipple cake. Yeah. You know, and I like, I like that he tried to do something different. You yeah. know, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that he wasn't just doing the the trunk or the singlet kind of thing. So why did someone not tell him that this was just not a good look? Yeah, the nipple cage looks gross, yeah. yeah. And at least it looked like this was the start of his WWF career with that with a head, headband yeah. and a thing, and I assume that's why Jeff, uh, that's why Todd Pentgill sped, spelled his name like Jeff Jarrett at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, Report. I think we're fairly early in, in Jarrett's right. So I'll kick it to you for the review, Mister Beverly. All right. So we start with I love these like cross promotion things because McMahon and Polo are talking about this movie that's going to be on USA later this week, where with Rob Lowe and James Spader, and I'm like, oh, perfect because like. Now, 2015, 21 years later, 
Rob Lowe and James Spader are stars again. They're both in two highly rated shows. They were big stars in the 80s, but 94, they're like in the dracks, these two. So the fact that they're together in this movie, I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. I am happy that you are in love with this because I still don't know who those two guys are. Oh, man. Well, have you ever watched Wayne's World? Yes. The bad guy? Benjamin is Rob Lowe. Oh, is that is that the same bad guy that was in Ghostbusters? No. No? no. Okay. No. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, Rob Lowe's not in that. Uh, okay. okay. I'm assuming you never watched The West Wing. No. No. Okay. Hey, do you watch nowadays The Blacklist? No. no I don't watch great. much TV shows. Okay. Yes, uh, I, I have a TV. I don't think you would know James Okay, I have a TV over there, but my Nintendo 64 is the only thing that's plugged up to that. Well, so. this is that straight 1994. You should have been watching this movie with Rob Lowe. Fair Spade. enough. Um, okay, so most of this Matt Sherritt's in total control here. And, uh, well, talk, I want to mention that. I feel like I can definitely tell, like you said, this was at the beginning of Jeff Jarrett's uh, WWF career because I know Vince doesn't like it when wrestlers talk to the cameras. Okay. And Jeff Jarrett was doing a lot of that in this match. And I guess I remember that when... W, when McMahon bought out WCW and ECW and how like Buff Bagel's whole gimmick was walking down the ring, sure. talking to the camera, and he was told not to do that. Oh, so okay. I feel like Vince was always like that. I guess that's just me impl- assuming that, implying yeah. that across the whole t- history of time. But I guess it, just like compared to a year later, Jeff never really talked to the camera. Sure. So I assumed this was at the start of his career when, in the WWF career, when he was ta- talking to the cameras. But I didn't really like that a lot. It added a different wrinkle to Jeff Jarrett, the mid-card, new mid-carder, compared to the other mid-carders where they didn't do that. Yeah, it's always fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, Jared had a good-looking, another good-looking dropkick. That's kind of the story of the show, I guess. Um, he had a nice-looking vertical suplex, and this is where he like talked to the, to the camera like you were talking about. Uh, Crystal was able to fire back with a good-looking power slam for two. Uh, but then he got up, put his head down, and he got hit by a DDT for which, the uh, finish. Here. Which looked absolutely beautiful, and I feel like if... Well, also Jeff Jarrett's known for the figure four. I feel like, you know, with the DDT he delivered here, I wish Jeff Jarrett could have used the DDT as like a second finisher. Yeah, well, soon, if you follow 94, 95, 96, Jake comes back. Okay. So... Okay, that makes sense. That would make sense. But I guess... I was surprised to see Jeff Jarrett win a match without the figure four. And this DDT looked pretty crisp, and I enjoyed it. And I don't think anybody in the WWF in the end of 93, 94 used the DDT. So Jeff Jeff Jarrett is the winner. I rate this match one and one half star. Just like the opener match, this was another squash match just to put Jeff Jarrett over for the WWF audience. See, I went higher. I went two and a half because I thought this was better than that Yoko squash because... Um, Fair even, even Billy Crystal here that hit the city slicker power slam, getting no, no, no reference. Nothing. Jeez. Sorry, someone's gonna laugh at that. Uh, they were able to hit the, the power slam, and that looked good, but to me, overall, I like look at my notes. I feel like Crystal was looked a little sloppy. I wish I could point out to his at times when he did, but I okay. couldn't. But at that time, I felt like he looked a little sloppy. Okay. Um, I can tell Jeff Jarrett was working kind of like a Mid-South, Tennessee-ish mash, taunting the crowd. But he did get the crowd into it, which I appreciated. 
Because sure. I'm a big crowd announcer kind of person. Well, when you're in Polipsy, uh, you need to, you know, it is kind of a smaller crowd, smaller venue. It is more like the the Memphis area. So, which I appreciate. Then Vince brings us back to last week when Johnny Polo took on Marty Gennetti. Yep. And, you know, Polo had a cheat for this victory, and Polo was putting over his victory so that he defeated Marty Gennetti all by himself. One, two, three. And Gennetti, the one, two, three kid came down. Yeah, Marty Gennetti is dressed so like 1994. It's not even funny. He's wearing this, (laughs) the jean jacket that's got the sweatshirt sleeves and like the hood. He's wearing a backward Florida State hat. The way his sweatshirt kind of looked like my winter jacket that I have. A little bit, yeah. Kind of. A little bit, yeah. But it's so, this is so 94. If only it would have... And shorts, too. Yeah. I already made this reference the last time he was on. He was looking very 90s. But if it had a picture of, like, Taz, the Tasmanian (laughs) Devil, and Bugs Bunny wearing, like, backwards hats and stuff, that that would be be the only way. (laughs) But, yeah, 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 they came out, Genity came out, and both of them, and Genity grabbed the mic and... You know, got after Polo for cheating and challenged the Quebecers for a tag team match. Polo gave it to him, and then Polo gave them a tag team title match. Yeah, they same. kind of convince him, or they kind of demand a, a title match. Yeah, Genetti grabbed Polo's shirt and all that, and then Polo's like, you know, whatever. You guys would just be a stepping stone for the Quebecers for their match against the Hearts at the Royal Rumble. I have faith in my Quebecers, which, which was nice, and I wanted. Yeah, you, I like that. You mentioned. Marty Gennetti's attire. I want to mention one, two, three kids' attire. Wasn't he just wearing his gear? His gear. <laughs> and like, and I was also taking note, like, well, ment- mentally that what his attire is just like bright, bright blue, <laughs> and words one, two, three, all over it on his butt. It just said ki- the kid. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's kind of put out his butt when his back was to the camera, and you just see the kid on his kid. butt, like. <laughs> Whatever. But the one, two, three kid looked super young here. Yes. And I know he, he, was. he was, but just how thin he looked too. Yes, yes. His, this may sound gross. Like, I'm, Vince McMahon is inside of me. Or I have his, men, his mind. I'm, I'm excited for what's going to happen here. One, two, three kid's thighs look smaller than my microphone right here, Mr. Beverly Hills. Well, like, my biceps are huger than the kid's thighs, man. Well, I remember back in in these days, my mom would watch wrestling with you, and she always said that one, two, three kid was like. Uh, I, well, I see now. I would say she wouldn't say this, but it's it basically like broke kayfabe for her because, in her opinion, a guy looking like one, two, three kid would never be able to beat anyone. Yeah, you know, and and I almost I get that. You know, it's like. He's so frail looking that... To me, he looks like a normal... Well, I assume he was like, let's say, 1920. He looked like a normal... he's a little older than that, but yeah. Let's say, okay, early 20s. He looked like a normal early 20s. I think he looks like a twerp even in the normal life. Fair enough. I guess, to me, he looks more like a... He doesn't look like a bodybuilder. Well, well, I guess what I'm, I'm no, trying to get at. He doesn't look like an athlete. Fair, fair think, enough. I don't think he looks even athletic. He, he which at least Marty Jannetty looked like a, a athletic. Yes. Well, Marty Jannetty looked like now. See again with my <laughs> analogies. Marty Jannetty looks like 
the guy who works with Todd Pengill at the gas station. He's a few years older. And when they're talking and the Todd Pettengill guy goes, I'm going to go to the party. Marty Jetty goes, you're an idiot. You're, like, you're, you're 23. Shut up, dude. That's Marty Jannetty. Then, then Marty Jetty's like, I'm going to a party with 27-year-olds. And then he punches Todd Pettengill and walks But out. then he hangs out with the guys like the one, two, three kid that well, isn't in, 27. In, the, in this era. But I'm saying just yeah. take the Marty Jannetty and put him into the real world. I can see that. So... After after Todd Pe- or after Marty Jannetty grabbed Johnny Polo by the shirt, almost punched him in the, in the face, like you wanted to do to Todd Pentengill earlier. We get a, a commercial for Monday Night or for, get a commercial during you Monday Night Raw, possibly the greatest commercial of all time, which I was telling you about last week. It's the yes. main event. No, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Yes. I only got one. Sorry. This is the main event of Raw. This I loved. I was telling you about this when we. After we did the year interview last week, we get a Razor Ramon commercial and a PSA against smoking. Smokers oh, are losers. losers. I I love it. Oh my god, smokers are losers. Oh shite. And man, that was beautiful. And I did catch what Johnny Polo said after that. Oh, what did he say? I only smoke. When I'm on fire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See now that's well, that's a cheesy line, but I love it. Yeah, I love it. Only smoke when I'm on fire. I love that. I love this PSA from Razor Ramon in the WWF. What I, was he doing it? He was just like working out. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, pretty much. Yeah, I just it was the same as like that Ico Pro. Yeah. So because of that, and because what will who will see one of the two guys we'll see next in the next match, Mister Beverly Hills. My main event status, Mel Young. I almost opened your main event status, Mel Young, for you <laughs> on that because this is the. I, the I loved it. Smokers are losers is the main event. And I told you last week, you're going to love it. And, <laughs> and, and you're correct. Ding ding. So the next match, the main event of the night, is Poser Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels <laughs> take on. Brian Welsh? Brian Walsh is what I got. And I would ask you who is this Brian Walsh guy, but you don't have internet. You know, I don't know the answer, man. We, we're, I'm tired of beating the dead horse, so we get this Brian no, Walsh yeah, guy. Yeah, right. You're not tired enough, dude. And I love... Are you Poovy Farms Racing? No. The, <laughs> I'm assuming you're Darcy. Yes. <laughs> I love seeing Shawn Michaels in this time walk down with the Intercontinental title. Okay. And let me get my notepad and I can write down the password for you. <laughs> Thanks, dude. So, yeah, I guess what is your thoughts on... And we talked about it last year with the WrestleMania series. What's your thoughts on seeing Shawn Michaels with Diesel as his bodyguard? I think it's the perfect combo. I really do. I think having Diesel took Michaels to the next level. I really do. And I also think it's the perfect role for, for Nash. That's an L, and I believe that might, that might be the right number. Okay. I'll see. This is a one. I got it. I got it. You don't need so, to tell the listeners yeah. who, what you're I, I totally agree with you that I feel like Diesel was the best bodyguard. I feel like, yeah, I just, it touched my heart seeing Diesel coming out with Shawn Michaels. Sure. And as, as usual, I take note of the wrestlers' attires, and Shawn Michaels' attire stood out to me for this okay. match. He wore, like, white tights. With gold and 
black spots on it that are zebra print. Yeah. And that just that touched my heart back then because I I used to draw wrestler I, back then like mid nineties I early nineties I used to draw wrestlers okay. you know with with Mama Dita pastime sure and I used to love drawing Shawn Michaels' tights and when I okay. draw draw my own character I would draw tights like Shawn, like what we saw for this raw beautiful so and that touches my heart yeah so I love Michaels' white tights with the black black and gold zebra print spots on it. So before the match really got got anywhere, we got a commercial plugging WWF Rage in the Cage game, but made by a claim for the Sega CD game console. I never played the game. I never had a Sega. I've never C- played Sega CD. Yeah, and I know you don't really play that many wrestling games anyway. But it when I saw that commercial, it touched my heart because I did a special cast with Joel Drillin and Eric Allen for What a Maneuver, talking about the history of wrestling games and all that. So that that touched my heart. <laughs> then we came back. Well, yeah, that's when I noticed Brian Welsh's tights. It just looked like red tights. Whatever. <laughs> the only thing I know about Brian, so I Google Brian Walsh. Um, he he is five foot ten inches tall. Okay. He was born in New Hampshire. His trainer was Killer Kowalski. He debuted in nineteen eighty five. Wow! So he's, he's a ten year veteran almost. Wow! Interesting. That's all I got. Okay, so I was just gonna say that that's pretty much the only other notes I have up to, leading up to the match. If you're ready to take the match over, so that's fine. So I just note that yeah, Brian seems to start out the match, which was interesting. You know, Brian got a lot of offense in this match, which is unusual compared to the other two squash matches that we watched. Yeah, for which this is cool because it, it really separates this from from the rest. So. Uh, yeah. So Sean was able to hit a couple hip tosses into a, into an arm ringer, which I always love the kind of the chain wrestling, the from one move to another. Um, the Walsh bridged out of a pin, uh, then hit a monkey flip. You know, get up on the shoulders, put him down, or or that's later. He does like a victory roll, though. It's really good too. Um. He hit a slingshot. He got a backslide for two. And I'm like, man, this Brian Walsh is looking pretty damn good. Um, the, he, now comes a very awkward point in the match. Okay. Sean hits a power slam. Yeah. He throws Brian Walsh oh. out to Diesel. The D looked like Diesel was going to do something. Looked at him. Throw him back in the ring. But then what happens? Sean, Sean throws him back out to Diesel. Then, then we get a, Diesel. Did the same thing, just looked at him, whatever, throws threw him back, back in. in. And <laughs> to, to be honest, this is a build-up to one of my favorite spots during the, the ladder match at WrestleMania 10. Oh, see, I don't know. Okay, okay, I we'll know get that. to that in like 10 weeks. All I right. promise you, I'll, I'll forget about this moment, but I'll remember the moment I'm going to say and bring that up to but the WrestleMania cast. He looks at him, he like gets ready to kick. And, what, was, whatever. And Michaels looks at him. Okay, now. whatever. I that I noticed that was an awkward moment too, but that made me laugh. Yeah, oh yeah, me too. Yeah, we we're kind of talking about weird spots like that. Uh, I did note that Michael said I feel like a beautiful standing vertical suplex. Yes, very good delayed suplex. And I would agree. He actually went for the the pin cover and only got a two count because he pulled out Brian Walsh. Yep, uh-huh. What's your thoughts on heels doing that? Because I, I, it's a good heel move. I I like that. Yep, it's a good heel move. Um, Michael, oh. oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
right around that time after the delayed, beautiful delayed standing vertical suit play, that Michael Sneed Brian yeah. and what the announcers called the, into the bread basket. Yeah. What is the bread basket? Your, bo- your belly. Okay. I what did you think it was? What, I guess when I watched that match, I was a little hungry. So. Well, what else would it be? The crotch area? Oh, that, your bread basket? <laughs> that could bring a lot of God, baskets to the yard. Christ. I don't know. Whatever. So, I guess I wanted to wanted to ask that. I guess I just had a Todd Pettengale moment. God. You're scary. I know I'm scary. So, I guess I'm kind of ready for the finish if you're ready for the All finish. All right, I'm ready for the finish, my man. Okay, out of nowhere, Shawn Michaels hit the super kick. Yes. Which seemed like nothing back then. No, it was truly nothing. Signals for the pile driver to Diesel. Hits it and scores a victory. Yes, he does. And I guess I wanted to ask, do you know if that was the pile driver was Michaels' finishing maneuver back then? I, I didn't think so. Okay. But, well, yeah, because um, I know obviously the super kick wasn't Michaels' finisher back then either. It was kind of like a setup to the, fin- the finish kind of thing. Yeah, yep, that's pretty much Kind of like a 2016 version of Dolph Ziggler, but hits a lot, <laughs> yeah. 99% less super kicks. Sure, sure. So the winner is Shawn Michaels. I rate this match, Mr. Beverly Hills, two stars. <laughs> because I, you know, like, like we said earlier, Brian Walsh got more offense into it. I thought, like, yeah, Shawn gave Brian, this Brian guy a lot more than we saw with the other two squash matches. I was impressed with the uh, power driver and the sweet chin music that Michaels hit. And it was absolutely beautiful. I gave it two and a half stars. I also just discovered that Dan Dubiel is also known as Maverick Wild, who is a <laughs> long time, uh, a very long time Northeast star. And oh, apparently really? he was trained by Brian Walsh. That's, that's funny. <laughs> Hence why they were probably there okay, together there. Okay, then let's see. What is the other jobber that we had? Dan Dubiel, Brian Walsh. No, oh, that was the only two. No, oh, the guy who faced uh, John Crystal. Do you know? Oh, C H R Y S T A L is how they spelled his name. Okay, I guess that's what the Wikipedia page I found for the results claimed his last name was. Just the just the basic, all the, the dumb wiki that's so bad. Okay. Then pretty much after the match, Diesel came in, looked at Brian on the map. Michaels looked both looked at him like, Cass. I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird that like they were just looking at him like, is like is that road roadkill? What is that? Like who is that <laughs> kind of thing? Whatever. We get a commercial. We get back to Vince McMahon and Johnny Polo. Vince also welcomes us back. Said he's impressed with what. We just saw Monday Night Round what, what what we just reviewed. And then he goes over the card for next week. That Marty Jannetty and One Two Three Kid will take on the Quebecers for the WWF Tag Team Titles. Bam Bam Bigelow will take on Baston Burger for yes. Baston Burger hitting on his manager, his main squeeze, if you will. <laughs> yep, that, that was always what he called her. Yeah. Then Polo said that the Kid and Marty will be st- stepping stones for the Quebecers to defend their Tag Team Titles against the Hearts at the Royal Rumble. Then McMahon thanks us. For watching Monday Night Raw. And bids us a deal. Yes. So, Mr. Beverly Hills, I want to tell the listeners, thank you guys for listening. We'll be right back with this commercial for we can catch our breath and all that fun stuff. We'll be right back with our Jobber and Main Event Set of Star here 
on Monday Night Raw. But this one a long way from being over. We'll be back in a moment with a conclusion. Glory waves as never before, ladies and gentlemen, on the massive chest of an American original, Lex Luger. Lex, really on a tear as of late here in the WWF, a great deal of positive momentum headed your way. A victory last week on Monday Night Raw. This past weekend, we saw you victorious over yet another Quebecer. However, does that momentum hit a wall if, in fact, you're not allowed entry into the Royal Rumble? Jack Tunney will make his decision this coming weekend mm-hmm. as to whether or not you're going to be in or out. Unquestionably, America has spoken. They want you to be one of the 30 participants. Well, the moment of truth has arrived, and you're right, I am on pins and needles. Very anxious to hear a decision, but no matter what the decision, I want to thank each and every person out there who voted for me, who supported me and wants to see me in the Royal Rumble. I'd like to be in it. I want to compete, and that's all I ask for, is the chance. The winner of the Royal Rumble will face the WWF champion, whomever that may be, at WrestleMania. So, Based upon that, do you feel that this whole protest to begin with was a little bit arrogant on Yokozuna's part? Absolutely. I'm glad you said whomever because we talked about the competition in the Royal Rumble. What about the competition that Yokozuna has to face here in the World Wrestling Federation until WrestleMania? So I think it's a very arrogant assumption for Yokozuna, Cornette, and his people to assume he'll still be the champion at that point. I, I, I don't understand the logic. Well, I think the logic is clearly, at any odds, they don't want <laughs> yeah, to face you. Preventive medicine, yeah. Yes, but, but from there, let's assume that Jack Tunney says, no, Lex, I agree with Yokozuna, and therefore you're not going to be allowed entry into the Royal Rumble. How do you handle that? Well, at this point, that doesn't even enter my mind, because I always try to think positive, always try to be upbeat, and if that decision does come down, then I'll deal with it. But until then, I can only control my own destiny and continue to win and be optimistic and know that maybe I'll get the chance. We've hit upon the negative. What if you're not allowed into the Royal Rumble? Let's talk about the positive. What if you are allowed? Well, they're going to see one fired up Lex Luger. I mean, what a great opportunity to compete in a showcase event like the Royal Rumble. And I know if I am allowed to compete, it's once again because of support, I think, that was shown for me by you fans out there that influenced Jack Tunney. And if I step in that ring, I step in for one reason and one reason only, and that's to win, and I won't let you down. Well, Lex, let's hope you're allowed entry. If you are, best of luck to you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Lex Luger, ladies and gentlemen, an American original. This is uh, so real compared to the rest of the bullshit. That's a bunch of horse shit. Vincent the Magnificent singing a classic. It's so great. While you're playing football, I'm banging these women and chasing your wife. Justin Bieber. Cockroaches. Justin Bieber, cockroaches, Justin Bieber, cockroaches, cock, 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 cockroaches. I'm back. I'm the dirty, dirty stylus, and I'm always here to talk about my trucks, trucks, trucks. But today, I'm here with Dirty Hills, Dusty Hills, whatever his name is, and we're here to talk about 
podcast. Oh man, if you don't know who I am already, Mr. Stamis, well you, I don't think I need introductions, but I guess I do, baby. This is the man that they call Dusty Hills. I have rode up and down the road for 20 years, baby. Talking about trucks, talking about cars, talking about vans. You know, I will talk about anything with my man, Mr. Dog Stamis here, here in Tampa, Florida. But today he tell me talk about podcasts. You know, this is some hard time podcast for Mr. Dusty Hills. We we just started, you know, I started out of the ditch, eight years old. I'm listening to podcasts on my daddy's car radio. By the way, you can get a call here at Mr. Mr. Dog Samus's lot. Then we go, we talk. I listen to podcasts on on the record player. Yeah, with record player daddy. Then come around. They tell me, they tell me, Dusty Hills, we got this thing called cassette. And listen to the cassette podcast and the CD podcast. And then finally, they give me, they give me this iPod. And they tell, tell me, Dusty Hills, listen on this iPod and this podcast thing. And I say, Cole, come on, Daddy. I listen to everything. Why you give me this iPod thing? But I stumbled upon, I, I was looking through iTunes, Daddy. And I look, and I look past all the, the stats and all the different wrestling podcasts. And I listen to that, that dirty man, that Ross report. He's so saucy. I don't like it. I listen to one, one cast that turn it off. But then I find this, this podcast called main event status radio with the dirty dog Darcy and then Mr. Beverly Hills. Oh man did I love it. Ooh wee made me think about think about my times with uh with baby doll. It had me happy like that. So I say everybody back off from Dirty Dog Stamith. Listen to the podcast main event status radio. Love Dusty Hills. I love you. Good night. Let me just tell you before we begin, my New Year's resolution, I want a hump. Of course, you just saw a hump can get you into trouble, too, so. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to your WWF Royal Rumble Report, exclusively on Monday Night Raw. My name is Todd Pettengill, and we are now just three weeks away from all the action. Saturday night, January 22nd at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, from the sold-out Providence Civic Center, the 1994 WWF Royal Rumble. Now, the only way to see the action is to order the action from your local cable company. Make that telephone call right now. Here's hoping one of your resolutions was to make and return phone calls this year, because this one could be the most important of the entire year. Let's get right into it. 30 WWF superstars will compete. It all begins with two in the ring. Then every two minutes thereafter, that Casio clock goes off, and another superstar joins the action. You're in till you go over the top rope and your feet touch the floor. Let's now take a second and run the 27 participants already lucky enough to have been selected. The Hitman, Bret Hart. The Awesome Crush. The Ugandan Giant, Kamala. The Rocket, Owen Hart. The Strange and Whimsical, Doink the Clown. From Men on a Mission, it's Mabel. From Michigan, it's Scott Steiner. 
Plus, former Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels. The Mammoth Diesel. From Love Canal, Adam Bomb. You will also see Bam Bam Bigelow. The Macho Man, Randy Savage. The High Flying 123 Kid. Batu of the Head Shrinkers. Samu of the Head Shrinkers. And Rick Steiner. Former WWF champ Bob Backlund. Greg the Hammer Valentine. Billy and Bart from the Smoking Guns. The model, Rick Martell. The dainty Bastion Booger. Nice hump. Marty Gennetti. Mo from Men on a Mission. Plus, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. The monster from Helsinki, Ludwig Borga. And the Native American superstar, Tatanka. Now, if you're keeping score at home, that means three slots are still open. As you heard earlier, right here on Monday Night Raw, we'll find out this coming weekend on WWF Superstars who the lucky three will be. And certainly one of them could be the American original Lex Luger. You heard from him earlier tonight. He said if he gets in the Royal Rumble, he will be pumped and ready like never before. Keep in mind, the winner of the Royal Rumble match takes on the WWF champion, whoever that may be, at the very prestigious WrestleMania 10. The main event is a pure classic, a casket match between the mighty Yokozuna and the man from the dark side, The Undertaker. Cornette made sure this was a one-time only shot for The Undertaker. However, Paul Bearer made sure that this would be a casket match. And as you saw at the top of the show, whenever that word casket is mentioned, Yokozuna absolutely freaks. Do not miss this main event. As you probably know, every title is on the line this year at the WWF Royal Rumble, including the Tag Team Championship. The Quebecers take on the challengers, Brett and Owen Hart. You will also see the Intercontinental Championship between champion Razor Ramon and IRS. Also, there are two superstars who may meet twice that night. Tatanka goes at it with Ludwig Borga in a singles matchup, but they're also both scheduled for the 30-man over-the-top rope Royal Rumble. Now, with less than three weeks to go, you have got to get up and make that call to your local cable company, really for two reasons. Number one, you don't want to be shut out of a second of the action from the Providence Civic Center on Saturday night, January 22nd. But number two, isn't it time you got to know your local cable operator? When we return here on Monday Night Raw, Double J's coming up. That's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T. Jeff Jarrett. And thanks for watching. This has been T O D P E T E N G I L Todd and Gil. Hey man, nothing like a long full of clean, fresh air. But chicos, oil man, don't pollute your lungs with tobacco smoke. Hey, smokers are losers. Right, and we're back. We're going to kick off our final segment of this <laughs> this Raw. You seem very fascinated, Mr. Beverly Hills, with the Bigfoot plaster cast that I have. Well, I like putting my finger in it because it makes my finger, finger feel nice. But you were saying that, that Bigfoot print is almost as big as Shaq's foot. I, I think Shaq's foot's bigger than this. We're, Hence why I doubt this Bigfoot existence. Because that's from where it says uh, on the back? Cooterville... Idaho, or maybe Ruderville, Idaho. Maybe somewhere Shaq was out there playing basketball with the trees or something. 
Anyway, let's talk about our our jobber for the night, Mr. Right, Beverly Hills. Jobber My jobber is the Bastion Booger. For one, being slapped by Luna Fashan, our main squeeze from <laughs> for the for the Road to WrestleMania 10 series, and I guess for having the hump on his back, which <laughs> Tom Pettengill did a adolescent joke about. Well, my job for the evening is Todd Pettengill <laughs> for being a creepy old man. Which I cannot argue with you about that. <laughs> my main event set of star has to be Shawn Michaels because I feel like he gave out of the three jobber matches in the tag match we saw. Michaels gave made his jobber look a little bit better because he gave his his jobber a little bit more offense. I'm gonna go off the beaten path here. Okay, who who what? My Johnny Polo. No, I got two guys in mind. Okay, who are your who are your two your two guys? My okay. No, okay. I gotta pick which one. I I gotta. I'm just gonna say one. Okay, well, who are the two guys? No, I'm not no. Gonna say. Okay. Okay. You're like dancing right now, Mr. Beverly Hills. I'm doing my email. Catch a tiger okay. by his toe. Okay, who is Native your... Event status star says, Smoking? Smokers <laughs> are losers. Smokers are losers. My So that's my funny one. Uh, otherwise, it would have said Undertaker. Uh, yeah. I thought, you know, he was on for 30 seconds, but... His appearance was almost more eventful than almost anybody else's, and uh, he really got his his point across. And well, so. we talked a lot about, I guess, in the 2014 year interview podcast we did last week. 2015, I whatever. Yeah, my, my I bad. don't think we went back. <laughs> my, my apologies, but we were talking about, I guess, someone in our 2014 year interview our podcast too that. Here, Undertaker said very few words, and he got yeah. his point across. Yes. That this is what twenty-one years ago, twenty-two years ago, twenty-two. Yeah, going on twenty-two. Yeah. And I feel like I wish Vince would do, would would think go back, that. think about that, and yeah. Yeah, back then Undertaker wasn't that great of a promo, and he had spoke very few, very rarely, very shortly, and he got his point across, and and it worked well. Yes, yeah, somewhere along the lines. I'm guessing it went. I'm guessing it was one where there were really good talkers, but somewhere along the lines, we got the idea that a good promo was 20 minutes long. Yeah, I guess that, that's probably when we got the options and the rocks. Yeah, people, people who could do it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but instead, since then. We've been continuously trying that. to slam the square peg into the round hole and, and thinking that not looking at who was doing it, but looking at what they were doing. Yeah. And you you can't do that. You can't say, well, you know, that person's really good because they do that. No, look at it. Maybe it's just because they're them. Well, heck, even look at, you know, Yokozuna, the WWF champion. He, he only wants, you know, so what, a bonsai? Right. That's it. And has, well, Jim Cornette, second manager, do all the talking. Yeah, and, and just likewise... You wouldn't say everyone needs a manager. Yeah. Well, of course not. No. Some guys are good enough to be on their own. Some need managers. Some need to say five words. Some can talk for a half hour. And, uh, you need the variety. I not guess everyone can do the same thing. If I had to pick a runner out main event star, it would probably be Yokozuna with what we yeah. saw with the facial expressions he was selling us for the Royal Rumble, which, which we'll review here in a few weeks. 
So we might as well do the plugs for the podcast, Mr. Beverly Hills. Yes. You guys can check us out on three different platforms. Our website, one, maineventstatus.com. <laughs> That's maineventstatus.com. You guys can check us out on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash Radio. That's all one word. SoundCloud.com slash Radio. Mr. Beverly Hills, tell us about iTunes. iTunes it is, man. <laughs> You search us out in the iTunes store. Please subscribe, rate, comment, um, all that fun stuff, and uh, you know, help us rise up the old ranks. Yeah, please tell your friends to check us out. Check out this series. Let us know what you guys like and not like, and all that. You guys can interact with us on social media platforms on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio. Like us there. Search out Minivansiders Radio or go to that URL, facebook.com slash Radio. We are also on the Twitter machines. <laughs> Mr. Beverly Hills, how can they interact with you? Uh, at Beverly Hills M-E-S. For me, it's at Dirty Dog M-E-S. That's dog as in D-A-W-G at Dirty Dog M-E-S. Mr. Beverly Hills, do you have any final words for the January 3rd edition from 1994 of Monday Night Raw? Can't say I do. For Mr. Beverly Hills, I'm the Dirty Dog Darcy. Adios, Speed Adventures. Don't hang out with Todd Patton, go. In smoking's for losers. Oh, that's what I should have said. <laughs> and look at this. Winding up, Big Bam Bam Bigelow is Bart. Bart shot to the buckle. Here comes Bam Bam missing. Right back out, Bart winds up. And Billy and Bart trying to keep Bam Bam Bigelow away from his partner, Bastion Bugger. And in tag team action, that's one of the smarter things to do. Because you wouldn't know too much about that, but oh, please, McMahon! I am like I'm like the computer genius when it comes to wrestling strategy. I see. Managing the WWE Tag Team Champions, the Quebecers, and look at this! <laughs> champion the greatest title in the face of god's green earth and they're they're insulting the man they're dissing my homeboy 